0: Blog, talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen: Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor in chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a wonderful conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, a book of Christmas miracles, 101 stories of holiday hope and happiness. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning?
1: I am great. I'm looking out at some snow and getting ready for Christmas. One of the four children just sent me a list of everything that she and her husband want, which is very helpful. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be hitting that online shopping as soon as I get off the phone with you. (laughs)
0: Fantastic. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me this morning to talk about miracles that happen during the holiday season and how chicken soup works closely with Santa to keep the magic alive for everyone. So that's fantastic. Congratulations for your new book. It's beautiful, by the way.
1: Oh, thanks. And speaking of Santa, one of the policies that I put in place 10 years ago when I took over as publisher was that we would not publish any Christmas books that ruin the mystery of Santa for young children who might be precocious readers. Mm -hmm. So I just want all the adults out there to know that we're very (laughs) careful to keep the magic alive in our books, and you know what I'm talking about.
0: I understand. So how is Chicken Soup celebrating Christmas this year?
1: Well, we've been really focused recently on delivering our dog food and cat food to various disaster areas, and so we've Mm -hmm. been delivering tons of food to dogs and cats that are stuck in shelters now down south because of those hurricanes in Florida and in Texas and other places down there. And now we've started delivering food to shelters housing dogs and cats out in Southern California. We just mm-hmm. delivered a couple of tons of food to one of the shelters out there. And so we are that I think is our biggest Christmas activity right now is getting food out to all of those shelters. I mean some of these dogs and cats were already in shelters. Some are newly brought to shelters because they're mm-hmm at least temporarily homeless, if not now permanently homeless. And these shelters are desperate for food because they've got so many more dogs and cats showing up. So we're there with our food helping out. You know, we have this commitment to give out a million meals to needy dogs and cats this year. And so that's what we've been doing.
0: Fantastic. That sounds like a wonderful, wonderful project. And speaking of that, Are you on Santa's naughty list or nice list?
1: Well, I think I must be on the nice list because (laughs) my husband and I have already been going Christmas shopping, so we just happened to be in New York, you know, a couple of weekends ago, which was really nice Mm -hmm. being in the city with all the Christmas decorations, and we just went shopping and we just started buying stuff for each other, Mm -hmm. um, which is unusual for us because usually we surprise each other Christmas Day. But this Christmas is a little different for us because – Uh, My mother died right after Christmas last year. Mm -hmm. In fact, the Mm -hmm. last time I saw her not in a hospital bed was Christmas Eve. So I'm handling Christmas a little differently this year, and it's just a lower-key Christmas for me because it's just tough. It's the first Mm -hmm. Christmas without her. It will be the last holiday, the last of those first holidays, but it was just because she was with us Christmas Eve and then, immediately after Christmas, Mm -hmm. you know, was rushed Mm -hmm. to the hospital and then died within days. So it's a tough time of year, but I'm kind of half on strike this year, but I know I'm going to be going full speed ahead with Christmas again next year. I just needed one year Mm -hmm. to go a little more lower key.
0: Sure, sure. That's understandable. Can you share with us the importance of Chicken Soup releasing the Christmas book during this holiday season?
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of related to the fact that I wanted to really um like revisit all the wonderful things about Christmas time and that's what this book is about. So this this book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, a book of Christmas miracles, is it's a it's a compilation of our best stories about, you know, hopeful, magical, mysterious, miraculous things happening at Christmas time. And what we did was we went through 24 years of our books and we've and we pulled together all of these great stories and so in this one volume you have these stories that make you feel so good and really help to get you into the holiday spirit and i it's really really fun reading these stories and um I think that even for somebody like me who's a little sad this year, this book is just putting a big smile on my face, and I think it'd be a great way to jumpstart that holiday spirit in anybody who needs it, and also a great book to read after Christmas to keep the holiday spirit going.
0: You're correct about that. What I like about this book is that it rekindles a lot of wonderful memories for me that otherwise it's forgotten because it's been so long, but it certainly helped me this year to kind of look back, and it's a wonderful reflection to look back during seasons like this to like, huh, that was a wonderful time. That was great. It was the best celebration at the time, and now I'm looking forward for this year to experience the holiday magic.
1: So this book, the cover of it, it shows, it's a really pretty cover, and it shows this um, really pretty angel and there's all these yellow stars coming out of the angels, like trumpet, and then all over in this in the sky here. And it just basically is a cover that makes you feel light. You know, it's so dark mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And the Christmas lights help to make us feel better, even as we're driving home from work, you know, in the dark. But we see those Christmas lights. And this book, you look at this book cover, and you just feel that light lighting up these cold, dark, wintry days. and um, and I think that is part of this whole focus in this book on hope and miracles, because that is mm-hmm. what Christmas is all about. And it's amazing how many miracles do occur at Christmas time. And you know, there's so many things that happen in this book that are medical miracles or family members reuniting or whatever. and they happen around Christmas time, and it just feels like, yeah. That those things should happen around Christmas time, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to experience some kind of miracle this year at Christmas time, also. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to that. It's, it's going to be really, it's going to be good. Um, and this book has given me a lot of hope for a wonderful holiday season.
0: I'm glad you talk about the design of the book cover. It is very impressive. Beautiful colors. It really looks very festive, and what I like about it with the new concept that chicken soup have gone to, the raised letters of the title, that Christmas miracles just popped in front of my face.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: you that. yeah, so it's that's called,
1: yeah, that's called embossing, and we mm-hmm. have started doing that on virtually all of our book covers. It's mm-hmm. expensive, but we decided it made our books even fancier and more, even yeah. more appropriate as gifts. And Mm -hmm. this cover was received so well that we got our biggest upfront order for Christmas books. It's the biggest order we've ever gotten in the 10 years that I've been at Chicken Soup for the Soul. So the retailers all loved this cover also, and we're pretty sure it was going to sell very well to consumers. And what we always do with our books is we try to make them as pretty as a Christmas decoration, So that you could stick this book on your mantelpiece and it would be part of your Christmas decor.
0: I love it. Well, it certainly blends in. I can tell you that right now. I mean, it's impressive. And I don't mean in terms of dollars and cents here, but when you hold the book and when you see the book, the colors front and back, it has that beautiful richness to it.
1: Yeah, it does. And then the other thing I'm excited about is that we are donating 25 cents a book. To Toys for Tots, which is that Mm -hmm. wonderful program that is run by the Marines. It's a super high-quality charity. You know how charities have all those ratings? It has a stellar rating, absolutely stellar. And we even have stories in the book about the Marines delivering the gifts to the children. Mm -hmm. And the Marines, they deliver these donated toys to, I guess, hundreds of thousands of children Every year, I mean, they have provided Merry Christmases to millions of families over the years that they've been in operation. And everybody's seen those collection points around, you know, where you donate mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. a new unwrapped gift because they need it to be new and unwrapped, unwrapped so they can look at it and decide who it should go to. And they very carefully choose who they match each gift to in the community. And some communities also look for gifts for teenagers, and I don't think people always Mm -hmm. know that. And so um, gifts for teenagers are welcome also. And so I'm really happy that we are going to be supporting Choice for Tots this Christmas because it is an amazingly good charity.
0: I'm glad you brought up about teenagers because that is sort of a forgotten age when it comes to toys for Tots because we think about the very young, and then obviously the old can take care of themselves, but that's sort of an in-between age. There are a lot of teenagers out there that don't have much.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and probably are very nice kids who tell their parents, oh, focus on the younger children, don't worry about mm-hmm. me. So it's really nice to take care of them as well. They mm-hmm. might be tall, but they're still children.
0: <laughs> so true, so true. In the beginning of the interview you mentioned something about all these stories were taken from previous holiday books basically
1: not even holiday books from all of our books because we have so many mm-hmm. books about um the holiday season we have so many stories about the holiday season even in our other books mm-hmm. and so we didn't even really dive into our old christmas books to put together this compilation because we thought well for somebody who buys our christmas books every year We don't want to give them stories that they might already have in another Christmas book if they have a whole collection of of chicken soup for this old Christmas book. So we actually went and found these stories in other books from Mm -hmm. our library. So even if Mm -hmm. you are a huge fan of our Christmas books and you have every single one, you're going to be getting new and different stories in this book.
0: Can you share with us the various chapters that are covered in this book?
1: Sure. We started out with a really cool chapter about divine intervention. And, you know, the book overall, it's a mix of stories that appear to be uh, based on prayer and, you know, divine intervention. And then sometimes the the stories are about miracles that are just caused by somebody you know, like a, a really nice stranger who donates to somebody. So the miracles mm-hmm. are divine miracles, and they're also more earthly miracles so we have the divine intervention chapter then we have one about holiday blessings which is really talking about people doing wonderful things for each other and then we have a chapter about christmas spirit which is about people regaining their christmas spirit and i think that's very important for people who come into this season just not really feeling it and this will help them to feel that spirit again and these are stories from people who weren't feeling it and then talk about what made them feel great about christmas again and then we have a chapter about holiday angels and this is kind of divine angels and then just people who are angels who do wonderful Mm -hmm. things for each other and then one of the miracles of christmas to me is giving. It's the joy of giving. So we have a chapter about how great giving makes you feel. Then we have a whole chapter about family. And all of these different issues with family, great times with family, also like forgiveness, families reuniting. So all the aspects of family relationships because they can be stressed at Christmas time, but also Christmas time can be that time when families miraculously come back together again. And then we have a chapter about the gift of gratitude and how being grateful is like a gift you give to yourself because when you experience gratitude, you just feel so good. We have a chapter called Answered Prayers, and that is some really amazing miracles that occurred when people prayed. And then we have a chapter called The Best of All Gifts, which was just amazing gifts that people got that were just so perfect for them and just seemed like miracles to them. And then finally, we have a chapter called Through the Eyes of a Child. And I included in there all kinds of stories about kids being really great at giving, uh, gratitude, forgiveness, amazing acts of charity on the part of children. But Christmas is a time when we really do focus on the actions of children and how wonderful that they are. So we have that in that chapter.
0: What would you like for the readers to gain from reading the book?
1: I think if they are religious, they'll find that these stories deepen their faith. And if they're not religious, these stories will Mm -hmm. just deepen their feeling that miracles do happen, that good things do happen to good people. Also, I think that these stories will leave people smiling (laughs) and feeling really inspired to dive into Christmas with you know, more enthusiasm. And also, I I do want to mention that we actually covered the holidays from Thanksgiving all the way through New Year's and with mm-hmm. a big emphasis mm-hmm. on Christmas and also some stories about Hanukkah. And so we cover the whole season. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with starting this book after Christmas and getting ready to read it for the holiday season starting Thanksgiving next year. Because yeah. our, our holiday season, if you think about it, really runs for a couple of months. So we really cover the whole right. the whole time period. This
0: book, it is not just about Christmas. I mean, it's something that the stories will resonate with you year round. There's so many stories in there that in all actuality, the funny thing about it is, that, of course, you know, if you buy it tomorrow, you may or may not read it during the Christmas holidays. But the fact that you're able to pick up this book in January, February or March and just Big stories that you could read that might actually rekindle your Christmas experience of 2017.
1: That's true. I think reading this after Christmas is great for people going through uh, holiday withdrawal, right? You can just read this and keep it going a little longer. If you're like the way I usually am each Christmas, most Christmases I am terrible with the withdrawal. Like I won't put the presents away. You know, the opened gifts will sit in the living room for weeks. Mm-hmm. My husband is going crazy, and I'm like, no, I don't want to put them away because then it will be over. And we're always the last people to take the tree down, and the wreath could be up there through the Super Bowl. You know, we are um, very slow to give up our our Christmas decorations and all of that wonderful spirit because it does brighten the winter so much. That's why I like to keep it going.
0: Right, right. I agree with that. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. And my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a wonderful conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, a book of Christmas miracles, 101 stories of holiday hope and happiness. Let's talk about some of the stories in the book. I'm really excited because I know there's some stories in here that really resonates with you and with me as well, and I know it will resonate with the listeners this morning. So let's start with Chapter 1, Divine Intervention. I love this. It speaks for itself, Divine Intervention. And the first story that I really love in this book is Medically Impossible by John Briley.
1: You know, I always put one of my absolute favorites first in the book, so I'm glad we're going to talk about this one. And this is an amazing story from a doctor. And I love stories from doctors because, you know, they're very scientific and they are learned and they know what is supposed to work. And then when they say, I don't know how this worked, this was a miracle, it has a big impact. So this doctor, he was working... Um, with this little seven-year-old boy who had been in the hospital a couple of weeks, and he had been actually sick for six months. He was having trouble with his kidneys. They weren't actually clearing, you know, his urine from his body. Mm -hmm. And this poor kid was getting sicker and sicker, and the doctor said it was right before Christmas. And he looked in this kid's eyes, and he could tell the kid was just defeated. And he thought, oh, no, he's given up. And, you know, when the patient gives up, that's really, really bad. So the doctor decided to try this one last idea that was a real stretch, but maybe it would work. And so he gave the kid this medicine that would uh, get more, like, fluid into his bloodstream. And then he gave him Lasix, which I know a lot of people have heard of. It's a drug that's supposed to open up the kidneys and get Mm -hmm. the urine flowing again. And You know, which is a big deal. I mean, I I know a lot of us, we know, have known elderly people in the hospital, and they give them Lasix because they get bloated because their kidneys are not clearing their body. So it was a really risky strategy, and the doctor asked the kid if he was okay with it, but, of course, he was seven. So he also asked the parents, and they signed up because what else were they going to do at that point? So the doctor was closely monitoring the kid, and he said to the nurse, all right, we're going to watch him because he could have an adverse reaction. And a person with normal kidneys, this would work in about 15 minutes. Um, with Jimmy, the little boy, I'm hoping it will work in half an hour, but it is a long shot. And he gives the medicine. he goes to the nurse's desk to, you know, like write something in the charts. And like a minute later, the nurse says to him, The urine is flowing out of the kid like crazy. And everything opened up, and the doctor said it was impossible. It was just medically impossible. And yet it worked. And the little boy had been praying also. The little boy was very religious and very much believed that prayer would help, and he had been praying it would work as well. So I thought that was a great Christmas miracle story to start with.
0: It's a beautiful story. And what I like about it is that, it just sort of draws like you were talking about the prayer side of the equation. I've heard this all the time, being a spiritual person. Oh, all you have to do is just pray for it, pray for it. And so you're drawing all that wonderful energy in. And so it's very, very exciting to see something like this. And I'm glad that by the way, this is a guy thing. The number one story in the book is from a guy. What can I say?
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, that makes you happy. <laughs> We do have a lot more female writers than males. That is true. I think women in general are just more interested in writing and expressing their feelings and sharing their amazing stories. And so we really appreciate it when men send us their stories as well, which, by the way, if you want to write stories for us, you go to chickensoup.com, and then you, um, you can go down to the bottom of the page and you'll see something to click at the bottom of the homepage that says Submit Your Story, and then you go to our website and we tell you what we're working on and how to submit your story. And, in fact, we are collecting Christmas stories now for next year's Christmas book. So women and men out there, definitely, (laughs) as you're going through these holidays, think about the amazing things that happen. Write up those stories and send them in to us at chickensoup.com.
0: Fantastic. I'm glad you brought it up because we never really talk about that every time when we have our show. This is the best way to do it. Send your stories, share your heart with others, and you never know. You'll end up in a book.
1: Yeah, and it's amazing when people do get into our books. We have a a publicity firm that reaches out to the local newspapers for our contributors, and then they often get big articles written about them in their local papers. They get invited on radio shows. They get invited to go on television where they live. It's really fun to get a story into one of our books. They go and they do book signings at Barnes & Noble and other bookstores. They become celebrities in their town. So definitely get, get, work, get to work writing those stories for us. We're collecting for a lot of different topics right now.
0: Fantastic. The same chapter, Divine Intervention, Silent Night No More by Cynthia McGrady. Another beautiful story.
1: Yeah, this was amazing because she um, had been a singer and she absolutely loved singing, but she hadn't been able to sing for three years because of a medical problem. And then she was asked to substitute for the lead singer at the Christmas show And at her church, and she thought, how am I possibly going to do that? But she prayed about it, and she just thought, okay, I'm just going to try. And she really had been heartbroken that she hadn't been able to sing. So she prayed and she practiced a little, but not too much because she didn't want to tire out her voice because she had a real problem with singing and how much it hurt her. And she went ahead and she sang for the first night as the substitute for the lead singer because the lead singer was out with laryngitis. And then they expected the lead singer to come back the next night. But each day, Cynthia would get a message from the lead singer, I'm really sorry, I still have laryngitis. And this went on for five days. So for five nights, the whole run of this Christmas show, Cynthia appeared and she sang beautifully. There was just some kind of power that came over her that enabled her to sing beautifully despite the fact that medically she wasn't supposed to be able to when the five show run was over all of a sudden her her throat was sore her voice was hoarse and she could barely speak but through some kind of medical miracle she had been able to go on stage for five days in a row and be the lead singer in this christmas show
0: isn't that just fantastic I mean, like the saying goes, "If you believe, so shall you receive." So that's just fantastic, it's phenomenal, and it's a perfect story on the chapter one divine intervention. Chapter two, holiday blessings, dancing woods, John White. I love this. It's about dancing. This
1: is an am- <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you love dancing, but this is an amazing story about the power of music to break through um, dementia. Alzheimer's or whatever other illness was plaguing this elderly man. So John White writes about how he was um, an administrator at a nursing home. And there was a man there whose name he recognized because this man Mr. Russell Lyon was very famous for his real estate company in Phoenix. And so This man was there, but he was totally silent. I mean, he walked just fine. He did everything that he was supposed to do. He understood what the staff asked of him. He was always impeccably dressed, very polite, but he always had this blank stare. And they didn't know how to get through to him. So Christmas was coming, and they had this evening Christmas concert a week before Christmas Day. And they had a dance floor out also, and they had a a band come in to do big band songs, you know, like from the 1940s. Well, as soon as they started playing those big band songs, Mr. Lyon stood up, turned to his caregiver, and spoke and said, would you care to dance? And the caregiver was astonished because he never, ever spoke. But she said, yes, I'd love to. And so they went out and they danced. And as... (laughs) They danced. Mr. Lyons started chatting with the staff members who were sitting around the dance floor in chairs, Mm -hmm. and he thanked them for all the things that they did for him, and he said he was so frustrated by his inability to communicate with them. And he talked to John during the dance, and he said to him, I'm still here. I just can't get myself to talk usually. Well, when the music stopped, that blank stare returned to his face. John said it was like a on off switch had just been switched back to off so after that they said well we're just going to always use big band music if we want to talk to them so they got a cassette player this was a while ago when there were cassette players and they got a tape of music you know big band songs from the Mm -hmm. 1940s they started playing those and for the next eight months every time they wanted to talk to Mr. Lyon they would play big band songs and then he would talk to them And that worked until just a month before he died. So it was an amazing look into how music can somehow get the brain to operate differently and enable these medical people to reach through to this man who they thought had dementia but really was somehow just stuck and couldn't be unstuck until he heard this music from decades earlier.
0: It's a beautiful story. The reason I chose this story is because I do teach ballroom dancing twice a month at a senior living center here in Dallas, Texas. It reminded me of the wonderful time I have with the seniors during our classes and having the opportunity to just dance. They love it.
1: Yeah, it is interesting how um, music really brings them back to where they were because their memory and their functioning is so much better if you're talking about things that happened decades earlier.
0: It's almost like it's in their DNA and they need something to kind of trigger it and bring all those wonderful memories back again to the present
1: moment. Yeah, memory is a strange thing. My father is eighty eight and he can't remember, you know, what happened five minutes ago, but he can tell you in detail something that happened when he was <laughs> ten years old in the nineteen forties.
0: <laughs> wonderful. Chapter three Christmas Spirit. Christmas Spirit Regain by Judith Smith.
1: So this is a great example of how this book can really help people get in the Christmas spirit or stay in the Christmas spirit, because Judith said that she didn't really have fond memories of Christmas. I guess, however she had grown up, Christmas was not a happy time for her. And what really gave her trouble was Christmas music, because it seemed to be everywhere. And I guess it was kind of taunting her, you know, like Christmas is a happy time of year, but you didn't have a good time as a child during Christmas. And so she actually only volunteered to work Christmas Eve in her retail job because the particular store where she worked didn't play Christmas music. So she worked there Christmas Eve, and then she was on her way home, and she got in the subway, and this homeless guy you know, staggered into her subway car and started talking mm-hmm. really loud. But then he started singing jingle bells, and everybody in the subway car joined in. And so everybody in the subway car was singing jingle bells, and then they started singing other Christmas songs. And Judith found herself remembering the words and singing along. And then when the guy left the car, everybody kept singing, and she said it changed everything for her. And ever since Mm -hmm. that day, she has carried the Christmas spirit with her. And now she looks forward to Christmas, and whenever she hears Christmas music, she thinks about that really special night on the subway when that homeless man somehow brought the Christmas spirit back inside her.
0: Isn't it a beautiful story? It's just amazing what sometimes if we allow ourselves to just receive the energy around us. And I know a lot of people that kind of did not have good experiences in the past, and then something happened. It's a trigger. To make them realize that hey, we can create the present moment in the future, and obviously, Christmas is a wonderful festive season. It's a season of joy and celebration, and this particular situation just finally took care of its own.
1: Yeah, and if you're not feeling the Christmas spirit, you feel really left out at Christmas time. <laughs> it's really nice to just let yourself relax into it and go with the flow and feel the spirit and. Notice how the lights brighten up those dark nights and accept the fact that it's a fun time of year and it doesn't matter what religion you are or if you have no religion. It's still just a really fun time of year when people are making this extra effort to brighten the darkness and be nice to each other. And and that's really what happened in the next story that you mm-hmm. picked out, The twelfth Days of Christmas by Janet Seeger.
0: hmm
1: And that's in that holiday angels chapter. So that chapter has, like, divine angels, but then also earthly angels, just kind strangers. And so Janet's story is about an earthly stranger helping her. She's not attributing what happened to her to any kind of divine intervention. She's saying some very, very kind, anonymous stranger helped her. But they were having a problem with Christmas spirit also in her family because – They were Americans who had immigrated um, to Canada and they were feeling very lonely in this new country without their family nearby and they could not afford to buy airplane tickets to fly herself, her husband, and their two teenage children back to Minnesota for Christmas. And so they were facing Christmas alone. And then 12 days before Christmas, a package appeared on their front doorstep. And it was a turkey, a big frozen turkey. And there was a note with it that said, Our love is given anonymously, so enjoy fun with your family, but don't tell anyone, please. (laughs) So they put the turkey in the freezer, and then each day another gift appeared. And over the days they got potatoes, sweet potatoes, marshmallows, cranberries, pickles, olives, green beans, corn, They got all kinds of things that they would need to have a complete Christmas dinner, and it really united them as a Mm -hmm. family. It made these days leading up to Christmas, which had been kind of sad, it made them happy again. Uh, It really bonded the family. And then it turned out that on Christmas Day, when they were going to use all of these gifts to make their dinner, Another family did invite them over for Christmas dinner, so they ended up using all of these gifts <laughs> to have a really special New Year's Day dinner, and so that was really great. And she said it happened two decades ago, but it still is something that really warms their hearts at Christmas time.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful story. I chose that story simply because it's not so much the receiving side of it, but just imagine. The people that gave, because it made them happy, it fulfilled their wishes of being able to contribute to someone else's happiness.
1: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they had so much fun doing it and, um, yeah, probably even secretly watching the front door to see the family come out (laughs) to pick up the gifts. Yeah, it is true that being the giver always feels even better than being the receiver. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So true. And of course, this leads us to the next chapter, Chapter 5, The Joy of Giving, Drawn to the Warm by Marion Smith.
1: Oh, yeah, this was a great story. So this was about this woman who was sitting in Union Station, which is that big train station in Washington, D.C., and she was drinking some coffee because it was really cold outside. She was just warming up in there. And what happened really warmed her up, but spiritually, not physically, because she saw a homeless man sitting nearby and he was really thin and his clothes were tattered and he looked like he must be really hungry and also very cold when he went outside. And all of a sudden she sees this couple come over to him with takeout food, you know, in a styrofoam container. Mm-hmm. And obviously they had just bought it deliberately to give to him. And they went over and they said, oh, excuse me, um, we just finished eating. We bought too much food, and so would you mind taking this? And they gave him this styrofoam container filled with food, and he was very grateful. And then Marion watched him open up the styrofoam, and he looked at the soup, and he was a, there was soup and a sandwich and some other stuff in there. And then he was about to start eating the soup, when all of a sudden he looked and she followed his eyes and there was another homeless man, but really old. And he looked like he was in even worse shape than this guy. And the the first homeless man leaped up, went over to the elderly homeless man, guided him over to the seat next to him, and then said to him, I really have too much food here, would you please take it? And so he gave that bowl of soup to the new homeless man and then they shared the sandwich and at that point marion followed her impulse which is that she really wanted to help them out too and she went and she got some coffee and pastries for them and brought them over for their dessert and you know that's what happens a lot of times people have that impulse to give and then they're not sure should i interfere Will I? Will it be unwanted? Will it be awkward? But she, mm-hmm. after seeing the couple give the food, and then the first homeless man give food to the second homeless man, she followed through on that charitable impulse, and she went and got them their dessert.
0: It's a beautiful story, and it talks about us being just humans and sharing, and it's got nothing to do with at what level of society we're at. At the moment of needs, we're all the same. And that's the beauty of it, because there's no thinking behind it. It's just the action of me seeing somebody else need it more than I do. And if I have it, let's share it. And in the end, everybody wins.
1: And when you don't have a lot and you still Mm -hmm. share with somebody else, it makes you feel so rich and blessed. Mm -hmm. We do get a lot of stories about that from people who have hardly anything, and they still take whatever they have, and they give it to somebody who they feel is even less fortunate, and that makes them feel so good themselves.
0: So true. Well, the next one is Family Matters, Chapter 6, The Ultimate Gift by Gail Salas, and hopefully this will resonate with you since you have a beautiful big family coming over (laughs) for Christmas.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so so this... this I actually interviewed Gail. She came mm-hmm. on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. So you can actually go on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast, which is on iTunes and on Google Play and everywhere else. Just look for the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. And I interviewed Gail about what she describes in this story because it's such an incredible story. So Gail had lost her son, and so every every Christmas was really hard for her and her husband And then she was facing, you know, yet another sad Christmas, and it was November, and her cousin called her and said, you're not going to believe it, but I believe you have a brother. I believe I found a brother that you didn't know that you had. Well, Gail, as a small child, had always put one thing and only one thing on her Mm -hmm. Christmas list. She had always asked for an older brother. Imagine her mother being given this wish list, which consisted of one thing, I want an older brother. Well, of course, that seemed to be impossible, right? Because how could Gail Mm -hmm. get an older brother? Well, her mother never told her she had an older brother. And she was shocked. So it turned out that Gail's parents had fallen in love when Gail's father was married to someone else. And they had had an affair, and Gail's mother had become pregnant, and it had a boy. And this was back in the 1930s, when you certainly couldn't keep a child when you were an unwed mother. And so the boy Mm -hmm. had been given up for adoption. And then years later, when Gail's father's first wife died, he became officially available, and he married Gail's mother. But the little boy had already been given up for adoption years earlier. And then they went ahead as a married couple and had their daughter, Gail. So all those years she had a full brother, an older brother, and they never told her. And so she got in touch with this brother who had been adopted out. And he immediately welcomed her into the, into his family. And so she and her husband went off for Christmas at her brother's house. And she finally got to meet this brother she had always wished for. And he resembled her mother. He had a lot of the same characteristics and gestures that she had. And so it was a really wonderful story. And now she has this brother for every Christmas going forward. So, I just thought that was an incredible story, and that's why I interviewed her on the podcast also.
0: Wonderful. It is a beautiful story, and the reason why I chose that is because I am adopted myself, and two of my other older sisters were adopted out by the family, and... I really don't know who they are, but I was told by my mom, my adopted mom, that is one of them are in Australia and the other one is in England. And hopefully one of these days by an act of God, a miracle, that somehow I'm able to connect with the two sisters.
1: I know one thing you could do, go and do 23andMe. Uh-huh. Oh, go do okay. that 23andMe because then if yeah. one of your sisters has done it, you yeah. guys can be matched to each other and it will tell you you have a sister and you can... Contact her through 23andMe.
0: Cool. It's really okay. neat. They
1: tell you they tell you your background and they show you yeah. all of your relatives.
0: Oh, that sounds great. That's fantastic. Wonderful suggestion. I'll definitely do that. That's terrific.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's something like a hundred dollars, and people have made a, you know amazing discoveries yeah, as a result. Yeah, yeah. There's also, I think, Ancestry.com does that too, but I mm-hmm. used 23andMe, and I thought it was great. I found a whole bunch of second cousins, and my mother confirmed that they were cousins. And like, I I got in touch with some family members who I wouldn't have known otherwise.
0: Oh, wow. That would be terrific. I don't know. I guess when we get old, there's a little bit of that sentimental thing, like wanting to know who (laughs) we were related to. And I'm in that stage now where like, wow, I'd like to know who my sisters were. And these are the two that were adopted out basically because my mom told me that there were three of us that were adopted out there were 10 in the family and three were adopted out two girls and one boy and i'm just curious about that
1: Mm-hmm. yeah well i would do that you never know you might find one of them
0: <laughs> i will definitely will you are listening to from my mama's kitchen talk radio uh podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, tunes stitches radio blueberry podcasting and tune in radio My guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a wonderful conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, a book of Christmas miracles, 101 stories of holiday hope and happiness. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Amy, let's talk about Chapter 7. And I know this is just a beautiful, beautiful story. I think it's very sentimental, but I know you can tell the story in such a manner that it really engages everyone. The Gift of Gratitude, the gratitude book by Carrie O'Malley.
1: So Carrie's mom was a really special woman. She was given um, a diagnosis. She had brain cancer, and she was told she had 14 months to live. And instead of being angry or somehow becoming depressed, her mother just embraced this last year plus a little of her life and she chose gratitude and she t- she kept a journal and in the journal she kept talking about how grateful she was for the life that she had already lived and all the people she knew and the places that she had been and her wonderful attitude of gratitude uh, affected Carrie and how she handled her mother's illness knowing it was terminal And Carrie decided that she would put together a gratitude book for her mom so that everyone who knew her mom could express how grateful they were to have her in their lives. And so she went around secretly to all these different people and collected little notes from them to put in this one volume. And then she gave it to her mom for her last Christmas. And her mom lived another five months after that so she could spend a lot of time pouring through that gratitude book and knowing how many people she had touched during her life. So I thought that was a great idea. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that some of the people who read that story in the book will go ahead and do the same thing for people they know um, or even people who are not dying. But just in general, why wouldn't you want to collect all of those notes of gratitude for somebody?
0: Mm -hmm. I agree. This is the kind of thing that we talk about. Sometimes, you know, we're here... We take it for granted, but it's interesting if we can just sit back and reflect upon the many people that have contributed to us in some fashion to our success and so forth. And likewise, people that we have encountered over the years, and especially for you, Amy, you have touched so many lives through your books and all the things that you have done, and we don't sort of amplify that. No one knows, but it's just a kind of thing where when people start putting together how grateful they are to the things that you've done and things that you may think is so small, but then to others, it's like a tsunami that helped them at the time of need. So this gratitude book is just fascinating. I thought it was beautiful that you included that in this beautiful book.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a great idea. And sometimes I like to pass along ideas for things that people could Mm -hmm. actually do. You know, I always try to include some stories like that, a great project that somebody could undertake.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. Chapter 8, Answered Prayers, The Christmas Dance by Crystal Johnson. This is another dance stuff that I like, so I'm glad that you included this story in the book.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was just for you, Johnny. I knew. <laughs> no, you know what it is? It's that dance and the and the music that accompanies dance. Right. Um, really gets through to people, and this is another case of an elderly person. So there was um, this, this woman, um, Crystal, she was a speech pathologist, and she worked with this really grumpy old guy, Harry. And she eventually learned that the reason Harry was so grumpy and was getting more and more grumpy as Christmas approached was that his wife, who he really loved, was living in a nursing home and suffering from severe dementia. And he had been visiting his wife every single day until... He was hospitalized with a stroke, which is how Crystal met him, doing her speech pathologist work, you know, helping him after Mm -hmm. his stroke. But he really didn't want to be in the hospital. He really wanted to be visiting his wife. And so Crystal arranged to take him to see his wife the week before Christmas. And she got him over to the place where his wife was, and he turned on the radio And Bing Crosby's White Christmas started playing. And that awakened something in his wife. And she actually looked at him with clarity and recognized him and touched his face and looked into his eyes with real love. And then he got her to stand up and they danced a little bit to that song. And it was such a special moment. And Harry, this old guy, was so much happier out of that. And so it was a great example of a few things one the power of music and dance to bring somebody Mm -hmm. out of that shell of dementia and also the power of doing a great thing at christmas time now crystal went out of her way to drive harry over to this nursing home you know even though her job was just to be a speech pathologist in the hospital but Mm -hmm. she followed that charitable impulse and she did that good deed and it made her feel so good so good that she wrote us the story about it.
0: Fantastic! I love this story, and that music, White Christmas, is a foxtrot, by the way. If you're interested. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks. I really, I, yeah, I really cared about that. <laughs> I'm the worst dancer. Really, I'm terrible. <laughs> oh,
0: no, no, you could. My biggest could. problem
1: is you know, no. You know, you know what my problem is? Is I want to lead.
0: I don't like being led.
1: And so that's hard for a woman who's accustomed to being in charge. It's hard for us to let the man lead. And so I have to really talk to myself when I'm trying to dance to not lead. I'll be (laughs) dancing with my husband, and he'll be like, you're trying to lead again. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just can't help myself.
0: (laughs) The whole idea is having fun, and I'm sure you guys are having fun whenever you're dancing. So that's the most important thing.
1: (laughs) It's really fun when I get to lead. (laughs)
0: Oh, (laughs) so cute. Chapter 9, The Best of All Gifts, Christmas Providence by Eric Myers.
1: So this is a great story about a Christmas gift and um, the power of prayer. So Eric and his wife had not been able to have a child, and they had turned to adoption, and they had found a birth mother, and that fall, she had the baby, but they were starting to get this feeling that maybe they weren't going to get the baby after all. And sure enough, after the birth, the the family of this young woman who had the baby said, we're going to keep the baby, we're going to try to raise it on our own. And so they lost that baby, and it was just such a huge disappointment for them. And so Eric just started praying, asking please, please, please give us a baby for Christmas. And he and his wife went away to a cabin in the woods uh, in the mountains of Tennessee to get away at Christmas time. And they were having a really nice time. Then on Christmas Day, they started calling family members. And Eric actually did something he didn't usually do on Christmas. He called his brother in Houston and during their conversation his brother got a call from somebody else so he put eric on hold and remember eric didn't normally call his brother on christmas so this was a total abnormal abnormally that he it was abnormal that he was <laughs> calling him during their conversation his brother had gotten a call from a friend saying that her niece had had a baby that morning and she had put the baby up for adoption and the baby was spoken for but when the baby came out The baby was biracial, and the people who were adopting the baby didn't want a biracial baby, and Mm -hmm. this baby was now available. And Eric said, we will take the baby. Mm -hmm. We want this baby. And so they got their baby on Christmas Day, which is what he had prayed for.
0: Isn't it just a beautiful story?
1: Yeah, I thought it was great. Those people who didn't take the baby, they Mm -hmm. really gave something up. The people who gave up that baby... Um, because it was biracial. Well, Mm -hmm. I don't know if they got another baby after that, but Eric got that baby and was very happy. Yeah,
0: I chose that story again because of my adoption and my mom told me the whole story about how I was adopted and so forth. And it really got to me in terms of sometimes in life, you never know the life path that you're going to be on. And so this is such a beautiful story from that perspective. And chapter 10, the final chapter, Gifts for Jace by Angel Abbott. This is another beautiful story.
1: Yeah, this is really nice. So she was a fifth grade teacher. And it, And one day they were talking about gifts and things. And a little boy in her class named Jace said, I've never received a present in my whole life. Jace was being raised by his dad, a single father. And his father had a really hard time You know, holding down a job, raising his son, getting the whole thing together. And so this child had never received a gift. So the class was doing, you know, a normal, like, gift exchange. You know, you pick one kid's name out of a basket or something. And Jace was absent when they were doing this. And the kids in the class decided that instead of giving gifts to each other, that every single kid would just get a gift to give to Jace instead. And so the class was so excited. All these fifth graders were talking about what they were going to give him. They were going to give him art supplies because he liked to draw. They were going to give him Star Wars figurines. Their parents got in on the act. (laughs) And they got all these presents together. And then they learned that the reason that Jace was absent was because he had moved. And so they were so disappointed. So this teacher just hit the phones, and this was before the Internet, and she called everybody trying to find him. And she finally found him at 9.30 on Christmas Eve. And she she called this number she had been given, and Jace answered the phone. And she told him that his classmates had all these gifts for him. And he put his dad on the phone, and he said, sure, bring them over. And she brought them all to him at 930 on Christmas Eve. And it was just a wonderful experience to have this whole classroom get together and give gifts to this kid.
0: This is the story that epitomized what Christmas is all about, bringing happiness to someone.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that was every – (laughs) I'm sure all of those fifth graders that year, their favorite – Their favorite thing about Christmas was giving gifts to that little boy.
0: Their favorite story that they will be telling for a long time. So how about you? What are some of your favorite stories from the book?
1: Well, I love a story that we put in the book about forgiveness because I Mm -hmm. think that this is a time of year that can bring out stress within families and Mm -hmm. also bring out feelings of loss if you have family members who aren't speaking to each other anymore. And so we had a great story in our book called The Power of Forgiveness. It's by Michael Smith. And I thought I'm going to put this in this book of Christmas miracles because maybe it will cause someone to reconcile with a family member. And Michael Smith wrote that for five years he hadn't talked to his brother because um, Michael had been angered by an email from his brother, and he had just basically cut ties with him. And his brother had attempted to reconnect with him, and Michael just didn't want to hear anything about it. But Michael was feeling really guilty about it because his reaction to his brother's email was extreme and completely not merited, and he had turned you know, one little slight in an email into this mm-hmm. rift in their family. So one Christmas, while he was making his usual calls to family members, Michael thought, I'm going to call my brother. I'm actually going to do it. Um, And so he left a voicemail. And that voicemail was answered days later by his brother via an email. And they started emailing back and forth. And they finally did get back together and repair their relationship. And now the family is back together again. The family is complete again. And I thought it was a great story, a great lesson for people to go and seek out that person you haven't been talking to and repair that rift, put whatever you were angry about behind you. So I I loved that story. And I'm hoping that somebody will read it and actually go ahead and repair a rift in a family. And that will make the whole book worthwhile if we even can repair (laughs) one person's relationship with somebody.
0: It's so true, though, because during the holiday season is the best time to reflect back. And it's a wonderful season of reconciliation. No doubt about it. Let love take care of its course. Yeah, so true. Do you have any advice for people who had suffered so much experiencing catastrophic things that happened to them this year, such as the hurricane, wildfires, act of terror, and any mishaps in their life's journey?
1: You know, it's hard for me to give advice since none of those bad things happened to me. I can only mm-hmm. report on what we've heard from other people in similar situations, and it is amazing the reserves of strength that people find within them. That I mean, people will tell us, you know, because they'll write us stories after you know losing a family member during 9/11, or having their house burned down during a wildfire, or losing everything in a hurricane whatever it was, and they they tell us that they never, ever would have imagined that they could survive these experiences and that they would find this reserve of strength within them. And so that's what I always think, is that everybody Mm -hmm. gets through these things um, and nobody thinks that they could handle one of these, and yet Mm -hmm. virtually everybody does handle it.
0: That's wonderful, really, really wonderful can you give us a quick preview of what can we expect from Chicken Soup in 2018?
1: Yeah, we already have figured out all our books for next year, and we're really excited about them. We're starting off 2018 with a book called Miracles and More, which is a really great book filled with stories that are amazing about divine intervention, divine timing, angels, um amazing coincidences, just all kind of miraculous events. And then we're going to be following that with a wonderful book for Mother's Day called My Amazing Mom. And then after that, we're going to have a a book called My Crazy Family, which is going to be a loving look at our dysfunctional families. Our, our <laughs> book is going to put the fun back in dysfunctional. And then we're going to come out with a book in May called The Empowered Woman, about women finding their voice and speaking up for themselves and Um, and just becoming independent and empowered. Um, And we have a bunch of other great books coming up for the rest of 2018. And then the other thing that's going on is our television business. We have a Mm brand-new show that just started. It's on A&E Saturdays at 11. Well, it's 11 Eastern Time, 11 Pacific Time, so it might be 10 in the morning for Central and Mountain. I'm not sure. Uh, but this show is so good. It's called Vacation Rental Potential. And it shows um, people who want to buy a vacation home and then rent it out on Home Away to cover, you know, all the expense mm-hmm. of owning the vacation home. But then also they can use it themselves during the weeks when they don't have paying guests. Right. And it's great because they'll sh- they show you three different vacation properties, and then you see the couple – uh, figuring out which one is right for them. And it's a really fun show. And and each episode, you know, shows one couple figuring out one particular home. So you get the whole story in one show. It, it, you can watch mm-hmm. them independent of each other. So we have that that just started, and we'll have additional really great television shows coming out next year. So um, a lot of fun stuff going on all surrounding storytelling, because that's what we're all about is telling stories, whether it's in the pages of a book or on our podcast or on our television shows.
0: Wonderful. Well, we're coming close to the end of the show, and since this is the last episode for Chicken Soup for 2017, what wonderful recipes would you like to share with our listeners this morning?
1: Well, I guess I would say that one of the things you should do is have an attitude, basically, that everything and anything is possible. And I think reading a book of Christmas miracles gives you that sense. And then another recipe for living is to recognize that angels are always around you. And I don't necessarily mean spiritual angels. I mean, people Mm -hmm. can be angels for you and also that you can be an angel for someone else. And I think, Giving in to those impulses to help somebody makes you so much happier, and we're all so reticent about that. And we, mm-hmm. I, I've been learning from these stories that you have to just say, "I have this impulse to give; I'm going to do it." Um, <laughs> another thing, another recipe for living that I got from this book is the importance of family, because so many of the stories are about right. the incredible joy people feel at at adding to their families or completing their families. And then another recipe for living is to pay attention to that story from Michael Smith about forgiveness and use that power of forgiveness to make yourself happier. And, um, and then finally, just keep your eyes open because miracles are always around you, and if you just keep your eyes open, you see them, and it adds so much to your life to be aware of the fact that these really magical things can happen every single day.
0: So true. Beautiful. Beautiful. Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me. I'm from My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, December nineteenth. My guests will be doctors Ron and Mary Holnick. They are the founding faculty and co-directors of the University of Santa Monica and are pioneers leaders in the field of spiritual psychology and awakening consciousness. Dr. Ron and Mary Holnick And I will be having a wonderful conversation about their spiritual journey and their latest book, Remembering the Light Within, A Course in Soul-Centered Living. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Merry Christmas and a very happy New Year to you and everyone at Chicken Soup. Have a wonderful blessed day. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.